0: What's up, you guys? This is another episode of the Triple Up Report, where I talk about sports, comics, and pop culture. And today, I got my weekend recap, where I look over everything that happened over the weekend with sports, comics, and pop culture. So first off, let's just start off with some pro wrestling. CM Punk was fired uh, by AEW, what, on Saturday, I believe? Like, Yeah, like the day of collision and that, in, in, in Chicago. And their big uh, wrestling show that's happening the day after that, All Out, a week after their biggest show ever, All In, and the biggest show of pro wrestling ever, All In, also in Chicago. So, yeah, it's, uh, that was a lot. And it took, that, That's a big risk. So, uh, hats off to Tony Khan, because apparently it, it got really messy. And I'll say this, people will think, like, oh, is it too much to fire him, or it's a big difference between, well, first off, you shouldn't be if he what did. If the, if the, the details are true that he lunged at Tony Khan and, like, tried to, like, attack him or went at him after him and, and people had to hold him off, you can't do that to him. And, like, expect to keep your job. It's one thing, and even, like, the boys club style of, of, of like, culture that's in pro wrestling, even in that, like, it's one thing to attack, like, a regular book or a head of creative, which is still awful. You shouldn't assault or attack anyone physically on your job. Tony Khan's the CEO of the company. Like, like, it's a big, di- <laughs> there's a big difference. This would be like if in WCW someone tried to attack, uh, what, Ted Turner? Or like, like, with Vince McMahon, right? Like, it is one thing to, people have attacked Vince McMahon. Well, I don't know, like, people have, have gotten at other co-workers or people who are head of creative, stuff like that. But once you physically, like, assault Vince McMahon... Vince McMahon that's like there's only one instance of that happening to that level, and that was nails, and we all know he's not been mentioned in WWE since he was fired on the spot and everything. So CM Punk, that's what happens, I guess. So yeah, that, that, it had to happen. You can't and 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 just overall the stress and everything like it, it had bad vibes behind the scenes, I guess, with the locker room and everything. Like it, it, it was a dark cloud. You had to just nip in the bud when you could. So for him to do that in in that type of situation, I mean I with with that big of a show coming up, that could have easily went left field. And the hats off to Tony Khan also because he went out there in front of the in front of the crowd and took all the booze while he could, so that none of the actual wrestlers could take it. So the actual show itself, all out the next night, Ended out having, what, over 10,000 people in attendance? Having almost a multi-million dollar gate, Having, what, uh, 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 a pay-per-view, pay-per-view buy rate of about 100K or a little over 100K? Ended out being a commercial success. And it was show of the year. Outstanding show. Everything, all the expectations, just blew them out the water. Every match, even the pre-show matches, at least met expectations nothing was bad (laughs) like like and they went on a crazy run here from like uh the tnt championship match with lucha source versus darby allen all the way to the rest of the show actually every match was at least good and a lot of them were from not were just amazing like uh mural and powerhouse hobbs the, the crowd again this shows you that the crowd didn't decide to hijack the show they helped elevate matches. This is a prime example of a, of a match being elevated by the crowd, and they played with it. It was amazing. Uh, Chris Statlander and Ruby Silver, thats a good match, and the crowd was behind them. Brian Danielson, Ricky Starks—you know, Brian Danielson. If you were to say he's the greatest wrestler of all time, I can't debate you on that. But, I mean, this is another an, another example of this man having. A wrestler's best match of their career, like like what is it MJF? Uh, who else? There's a whole bunch of wrestlers actually that is had the best matches of their careers with, and Ricky Starks is another one. Made him to a star. This is a star making performance. Even if he lost, just an amazing match. The uh, 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 Blackpool Combat Club, you know, like Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Universe, Eddie Kingston and Shibata. Fun, entertaining, great tag team match. Takeshia versus Kenny Omega was a match of the year contender. So that was amazing. I thought that was a match of the night. Even the eight man tag now if there was a if there was a match where the crowd would have probably been able to hijack, it would be this one. And even then, they managed to get through it and it actually added to the match. It worked in a way. It was a great match. And then of course Moxley, and Orange Cassidy, Orange Cassidy, like the whole thing with Orange Cassidy is like that just fits AEW, right? This guy was always like a mean wrestler. And like, he's like the prototypical type of wrestler that Vince would never get and that would never succeed at that level in the WWE. And and here, he's headlining the mat, uh, the show of the year and knocked out the park. It was an outstanding match. Like, the whole, again, hats off not just Tony Khan, but the AEW in general, just to be able to get through that whole situation. And it was just the, the hecticness of, of having to go overseas to the UK. And have, what, the biggest wrestling show of all time. And a week later, firing what would be considered, like, mainstream-wise, your biggest star in his hometown. And then the next day, having that show in your hometown. And it works, not just commercially, but critically. And the crowd doesn't turn on you. I mean, it went perfectly. As close to perfect as as it could. And also, like, shout out to, to the Chicago crowd. People get angry, like, oh, why do they always go back to Chicago? One, they do great business there. And two, the crowds are always amazing. And people thought like, oh, they'd hijack like I said before, no. No hijacking. They were all in. Ironically. <laughs> like like yeah, like like they, they were all pro AEW. There is no like uh I mean there were CM Punk chants, but they were easily drowned out. Like, no. Like like this is exactly why Chicago is a consistent place for them to go to because they're always passionate always loud and they always love the product so that was it for pro wrestling and now is my time to go to the movies uh Oppenheimer again like it's nearing 900 million dollars worldwide it's gonna hit a billion most likely this year, if they keep it in movie theaters, of course. But yeah, I, I think they would. And now that they have a possible just now that's actually possible. Yeah, I think they keep it in a little bit longer. But, like, like, It's Already Surpassed Inception is now what Christopher Nolan's third highest grossing film ever. Like, like I don't think people understand. This is a, a three hour long, uh, what is it? It's just a pressing movie about, like, what, almost like what, the nuclear bombs? Like, how is this a billion-dollar film? Like, this is not fit at all. Like, radar, like, like this is not at all. This just this is not fit what a billion-dollar movie would be stereotypically at all. Nowhere near. It's a biopic. Like, like this is crazy, and it's honestly unbelievable. And not just oh, but Oppenheimer, obviously. You, you also got Barbie barbie has now officially surpassed uh mario brothers as the highest grossing film this year 1.36 billion dollars we're gonna most likely have three one billion dollar movies this year that's pretty good i think i think yeah i think that's pretty good so like a year that started out like oh man movies are in a rubber spot you know you end up with three One billion dollar movies at the end of the year uh, worldwide, that's, I'd say that's a a bit of a success. Now, before we go to sports, let me do a quick recap of what happened in comic books. Uh, There's two things I wanted to point out, just two little quick things. Uh, First off, X-Men 97 is officially premiering in March of next year, 2024, so that's big. Uh, Again, for anyone who's watched the old stuff, yeah, it's it's anywhere near as good. And like I I said in an earlier episode too, like, this is the beginning of them definitely now pushing the X-Men and stuff like that as, like, the main thing. You already see it in the comic book, like, the actual comic books. But you're definitely gonna see a lot more in media starting next year in 2024. Uh, also... Like, Marvel. And also with Marvel, uh, Agatha Harkness now officially has a third title. I don't know why, He <laughs> Uh, the first one was, uh, House of Harkness. The second one was Coven of Chaos, and now it's Dark Hold Diaries. So she's had, this show's had three different titles. I don't know what's up with that. I just thought that was funny. Now, I think you've all been waiting for my recap of week one of college football. So, uh, first off, the Pac-12 looked exactly what I predicted it would look like. I said they'd be the best conference in college football this year, and they're proving it, at least for now. Uh, first ever conference actually to start out 13-0 in non-conference games. I believe, ever? I think I think so, or like, in the last 20 years, I think. Something like that. Like, something crazy. And so, just, again, like, actually, they actually end up looking better than what I thought they would. Uh, I knew that the top five or so teams looked great. USC and Utah. And who was playing with the, the back-up and third stringers as quarterbacks, and they still smashed Florida. Uh, I thought Oregon, of course, Washington actually looked even better than what I thought. I thought they beat Boise State by about two touchdowns, maybe a little bit more than that. Not 56-19. to That offense actually looked better than what I expected, and I had high expectations for that offense. Uh, not just them, uh, UCLA looked good, Oregon State looked great. Like I said, I thought DJ Ugulele would look a lot better with this offense and would have his entire career revived under the new head coach for one of the head coach for Oregon State because he knows what to do with quarterbacks since he was one for Oregon State during one of their better years of their entire program's history. And I was proven right, because DJ Ukulele looked great. Uh, not just them, Arizona looked good, Washington State looked good, Cal looked even better than what I thought. I said Cal I thought was going to make it back to a bowl game and be revived. 58 almost put up 60 points on North Texas. I know it's North Texas, but still. Uh, But there was two teams that I thought would be bottom of the barrel of the conference that blew away my expectations. I thought Colorado would be better than what people thought because I did think the talent they had in the skill position levels were, like, actually elite. I just thought that the line would be a problem, right? And I did say that people shouldn't underestimate the size. Like, people think, like, oh, they look tiny in spring or whatever. Like, I was thinking, like, no. I just think that the helmets and the padding they had were just abnormally large and just made them look small. Now, I was kind of proven right. I didn't expect them to beat TCU, absolutely not. I did think they'd hold their own and it would be close game throughout like the whole game. I didn't I I don't think anyone expected them to actually beat them though. It looked great. Stanford. I thought they'd be awful. They look like a team that can make a bowl game this year. Like like I'm trying to think I guess Arizona State would probably be the last, like, the worst team in the conference. But even then, like, it looked good for a half. Like, I, they have a good quarterback. There's not really a single objectively bad team in this conference this year, which you can't say the same for literally any other conference in, 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 in like, in the college football. Every single team looks like they can make a bowl game this year at this conference. Like, this is a clear-cut, the best team, the best conference in college football. I would say... Probably the big Ten or ACC is next. The SEC kind of laid an egg in terms of their big games this week. And it there's probably one of their worst opening weekends in terms of big games, I can remember. It that was not a good week for them. Still not at the worst, though. The Big 12 looked awful. Like, really bad. Uh, <laughs> Texas State is projected to be a bowl in the barrel team in the Sun Belt, and they kind of dominated Baylor. Uh, Texas Tech, a team that I had high hopes for and everyone had high hopes for lost to Wyoming. Uh what else? oh yeah, West Virginia got dominated by Penn State which was expected, so it is what it is was at. But uh TC lost to Colorado. But like yeah, like like these the team that made the playoffs last year that played in the national title game last year out of the Big Twelve lost to Colorado. So yeah, the Big Twelve had an awful weekend. Just, a, just like a horrendous one. Uh, there are certain things like Ohio State. That offense is going to be a problem, and not in a good way for them. They look not good. Uh, Notre Dame looked great. Alabama looks like they could actually win the SEC. I might. It's Middle Tennessee, so again, and Georgia's offense looked kind of shaky. But again, it is one game, and it it's against Tennessee Martin. Like. I'll take those ones with a little bit of grain of salt because they're facing cupcakes. We'll see more this upcoming week. We'll definitely see what's happening. What, doesn't Georgia face South Carolina? I think. I know that Bama faces uh, Texas. No, no, Georgia faces South Carolina next week. But yeah, you'll definitely see how good Bama and Texas are this upcoming week. Uh, Michigan looked good. Like, like a, a lot of these teams, they look fine. There are some shocking ones. I think like I talked about Nebraska. Yeah, I said like. Yeah, I already talked about them. But, like, some of these... Let's see. Kansas looked great. Iowa's offense looked good for a half. Purdue was fine. Federal State's a really good team. Uh, I'm trying to see. What are some... As I said Texas looks good still. Wisconsin looked fine for a second half, at least. Uh, Yeah, I think that might be it for... i Oh, also, meant to point out uh, that crazy rule they did now, where they let the, cro- the, let the clock uh, run for extended time even after getting a first down until like the last two minutes of, of a half. It didn't affect some of these scoring of some, some of the scoring of some of these teams at all. Like there are teams that put up seventy, some like Oklahoma, Jesus, Arkansas State, is they could have put 100 on Arkansas State, honestly. When I saw, when I watched the game, like, the first two minutes, Oklahoma already scored two touchdowns. I was like, okay. Like, wait, like, they have to put the ball, get an old drive, and they still pull that off? Like, yeah. I knew then, like, some of these teams are still gonna put up crazy points. I think Oregon put up over 80 on Portland State. Poor Portland State. They didn't deserve that. Uh, at least they're getting a million dollars over it. But yeah, like, like, these teams can still score a lot. Like, USC still put 66 while giving up 14 in Nevada. So, you know, if they can. I, mean, I guess they can pull it off. I guess if everyone can adapt to it properly in the next couple weeks, yeah, they can pull it off and they can still have their advertising money, even though I'm not a fan of that. I guess that's uh, it for. Oh, wait. Nope. Nope. I forgot. One last thing. Uh, an absolute massacre that happened on Sunday night. LSU and Florida State. This one. Yeah, that's what was kind of crushing for my predictions. I had LSU edge out a, a great game against Florida State. Like I thought it would be a close game and LSU would get the like the slight win, like what happened last year, but like the roles reversed. That did not happen. And honestly, you could probably see it coming even in the first quarter. LSU looked good, but Florida State looked bigger, and it looked faster. And when I saw like the, that first quarter, I was like, oh, maybe my predictions were a bit off. They just ran away with it in the second half. And you can see it coming, honestly. Like, like you can see, like, they just needed that, that extra oomph, and they got it, and then they never looked back. LSU had no answer for them. Like, in the weakness, they said, what, uh, LSU's DBs, it showed, man, Keon Coleman, like, Florida State, just Jordan Travis, like, they was too much for them. And the running back, yeah. And, and then LSU not having the starting running back, like, they wouldn't have helped that much, but geez, like like the LSU's O line got dominated. They couldn't run the ball like that. There were like six or seven different times they tried to to score a touchdown in the end zone, and it only happened like I mean like the goal line it only happened like once. Like like <laughs> like that was that was also something I noticed also with South Carolina and North Carolina. There's something I noticed in the two ACC-SEC matchups. Something that hasn't hasn't happened at least consistently in years. The ACC. Dominated on the line of scrimmage. Like that was a little shocking, and that's a little concerning about the SEC too. Is that one thing that made them and the Big Ten strong? Like their identity throughout as long as I can I can remember watching college football is the line strength. And I didn't see that uh, those SEC teams, those two at least, uh, uh, over the weekend. So yeah, like, that was a bit of a shocker, but. Yeah, Florida State, man. They look like a a playoff team. So, if I were to do playoff predictions after this week, well, we still got Clemson Duke. But after that, uh, for right now, this very second, I'd probably have Michigan. Uh, We play as LSU, obviously. Florida State. I still give the edge to USC over Washington right now to come up with the back 12. And, hmm. You got Georgia, you got Bama, you got Notre Dame. You can even sneak at Penn State. I don't know. It's between those four in Washington. It's it's between those five. Any of those five teams is getting that last playoff spot. But yeah, the three that I know for sure right now is Michigan, Florida State, and and USC. But yeah, like like there's a lot of really good teams this year. No really stands out like that yet, and that's what are always the funnest college football seasons, right? So, yeah, like like that was my recap of of, of not just college football, but uh oh no, but the weekend. Uh, wait, first off, I do I do want to point out a couple more things. Uh, Nebraska volleyball, women's volleyball, ninety two thousand three people in attendance, a world record for women's sporting event. I mean, 92,000. Insane. Uh of course, Nebraska, man, they, they go. You can say what you want about Nebraska. But those fans, you could be 0-12. You could be uh, 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 on a 20-season losing streak. They will fill out that stadium for any sporting event. They are some of the most devoted fans we have ever seen. If In some crazy hypothetical, right? If Terrence Crawford were to have a boxing match against like Canelo Alvarez in Nebraska State, they would fill that out immediately. They'd probably go over over capacity. Like they love people who represent like they'll go hard in the paint for anyone who's from that state in the sporting event. Some of the most devoted fans I've ever seen in the world, honestly, are from Nebraska. So yeah, like like hats off to to those ladies and hats off to Nebraska fans. They're some of the most passionate devoted in all sports. Uh, also, U.S. or Lithuania, I, I, it, it's not as bad as, as it looks. Like, like it's, they still look, did way better. They're still doing way better in this field than they did last time where they didn't even medal. <laughs> like, at least they have a shot at medaling or winning gold. So, like, it's not anywhere near as bad. But I will say one concern about U.S.'s team is, is which I hope they fix in the Olympics next year, is a lack of big men. Like, in lack of rebounding. They got a rebound at 43-27 by Lithuania. And Jaron Jackson Jr., I didn't know this. He only has one uh, uh, rebound this whole uh, uh, FIBA event. He averages less than two rebounds a game in the NBA. As great as he is literally everything else, that's a little shocking to me. I hope that they get some extra big men on, on that team next year. Because, again... It was Jokic. even been playing for Serbia in this. He's gonna be playing next year, I think. So if you don't have any big men against Jokic. Yeah, that get ugly. And you're way more talented across the board outside of that. So that's again that can balance out. And you don't want to end out not winning a gold. So yeah, that's definitely a hole that they need to fix. Uh, also, one quick thing I wanted to point out. This is just a personal thing for me. I watch a lot of soccer. I follow all European leagues and all leagues in general. But in the Premier League in England, my favorite team is Liverpool. We kind of got the short end of the stick during uh, the preseason when it comes to like picking up free agents and stuff like that. May do to Chelsea, Chelsea, another big club, Chelsea spent half a billion dollars in their 12th place out of 20 teams. While we the supposed, what, losers of the offseason could very well win the whole thing. So that's, that's just want to point that out to any Chelsea fans who might be watching this. But, yeah, uh, uh, that's it for today. Uh, my big-time pick is between Clemson and Duke, obviously. The last college football game of the of Week 1. And, uh, I don't know, I, I think Clemson wins. No, I don't th- I, I I do feel... Not confident, but I feel like I feel comfortably that Clemson will win. I don't see them blowing Duke out, though. I do think that their offense will be better because it's just the coaching will be better with the new coordinator. But I'm not as high on the quarterback as others would be. I think I don't think he's bad. I just don't think that he's what Trevor Lawrence or or, or Deshaun Watson were. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm still not high on Clemson like that. I still think they lose to Florida State. But they'll probably be slightly better than what they were last year. Uh, so, yeah, I have Clemson beating Duke. Probably something like 35-24 uh, to 24 or something like that. So, but that's my big time pick of the week. Uh, Clemson beats Duke uh, 38-24. So, I just want to thank y'all for listening. Uh, Without y'all, I wouldn't be here. I'm nearing 50 episodes. It's all thanks to you guys. I also want to thank you guys for liking and subscribing and downloading. I also want to thank you guys for following me on Twitter, at Pulliam, P-U-L-L-I-A-M, underscore Blake, all lowercase, and following me on threads, if you still do that, Blake, underscore Pulliam1, all lowercase, and following me on on TikTok. The Triple Ops report, just like in podcast. So that's it for today. See you guys again on Wednesday, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, as you all know. And that's it. See y'all. Bye.